son's name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It's a great day, really, when you celebrate the feast of Saint Cyril the Great. Of course, the church is more emotional with the uh, martyrs and big names in the life of the church. Very few occasions we can celebrate Saint Athanasius and Saint Cyril as we celebrate him today. I'm not going to speak a lot, it's just three, four minutes. I will summarize his life in one sentence, and then I'll give you one clue how we can approach the teaching of Saint Cyril because it's one of the greatest in the church history for all denominations. Saint Cyril was born 376, three years after the departure of Saint Athanasius. In 412, 412, he became the Pope for 32 years nearly, or exactly 31 years and, and eight months. So he departed in 444. His life was divided into two parts. From 412 till 428, he was very concerned about interpreting the Word of God, especially the Old Testament. He has great books available online for free in English and Arabic. He wrote about the first five books of Moses, a very famous work called Glafera. And then he had a very extensive explanation of the book of Isaiah. And then he wrote about the 12 uh, minor prophets. Then he started from 428 onward till his departure to defend the Christian faith against Nestorianism. Again, you don't need to go through it, but you'll find a big shift in his mindset from 428 to the end. That's why the church is labeling him. He is the teacher of the incarnation. Yes, he wrote a very small book about the incarnation. It's titled The Incarnation of the Only Begotten Son. Not so famous as the book on the incarnation by Saint Athanasius, but his work in the Gospel of Saint John is a masterpiece about how to understand the incarnation of the Son of God. This is historically what he has done. One of his biggest themes that we need to enjoy every minute, which is the applicable part of his theology, it's the sentence that we repeat always in the creed. We say in the creed about the Lord Jesus Christ, who for us men and for our salvation became man, and we recite the whole life of Christ till his second coming. The key phrase for Saint Cyril, for us in himself. What does it mean? He is repeating the same sentence of the creed in each and every event in the life of Christ. Why Christ was incarnated? for my sake in himself. Why he died? For my sake in himself. Why he is risen? For my sake in himself. So it's showing to us that it's not a film we need to watch and to have some tears if it's the passion of Christ, is to see every single act was done, was done for me, and for me alone with the church. What does it mean for me alone and with the church? St. Paul says in Hebrews chapter two and verse nine, that Christ tasted death for each one. The very famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, that's why he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. So is it for me or for, for us? It's both of them. That's why the church is teaching us that Christ is a cosmological savior and personal savior. Cosmological looks nice for everyone. If you read the Bible, you will be amazed about the teaching of the Lord, especially in the Sermon on the Mountain. 
but unless it's personified, it's a story. That's why St. Cyril in his life and his teaching was trying to tell us, see, this cross is for you in person. This power of resurrection is for you in person. That's why, why we are celebrating the Feast of the Apostles, which always the Feast of St. Cyril, two days before St. Paul and St. Peter's martyrdom, we enjoy the descent of the Holy Spirit. We sing it many times. He ascended into heaven to send the Baraclete. Again, let us just focus on this, how to understand in himself for our sake, according to St. Cyril. He was showing us something very interesting. He was telling us it's a continuous thought. From day one of the cre of creation of man in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, God breathed into nostril of Adam the life and gave him the Holy Spirit. He was fully connected with the source of life. Upon his sin, he was totally disconnected from the source of life. But he remained alive for years later, yes. He was existing, but not alive. As far as we are disconnected from the source of life, we are dead. That's why immediately he died spiritually, and then later he died physically after many years. So what happened after that? If you read on the incarnation of the only begotten son by Saint Cyril, chapter one, he was incarnated to restore the Holy Spirit once more for us, to reconnect us with the source of life. So he saw the whole journey of the incarnation from the very first moment of the conception till the ascension, it's a journey to restore the Holy Spirit in us and for us. But why Adam lost it and Jesus came to receive it as the first act in his own incarnation before he started his ministry on the Jordan River? He was telling us Adam was not able to keep it for us. When Christ received the Holy Spirit, he was able to keep it for the whole humanity. This again, the words of St. Cyril in his commentary in John chapter one and verse 32. And now he's offering to each and every one of us, are you willing to be reconnected with the source of life once more? Yes, every one of us has his own experience. Every one of us has his own wounds. All of us are wounded without exception. But he's telling us it's time to say it with St. Cyril and to say it with the creed, he did everything in himself for my sake. He restored the Holy Spirit to give me life once more, to enlighten my mind once more, to re-understand all the things that has been stumbling in my life. That's why St. Cyril was adding in his commentary on chapter 20, when the Lord was breathing in the mouth of the uh, apostles and telling them, now receive the Holy Spirit. He said he was showing us is the same God who breathed into the nostril of Adam in day one, in Genesis 2, 7, day one of Adam. And because it was lost, came the same Son of God, came in the flesh and restored our humanity. And now he's breathing into the nostril of his disciples, telling them from now on, you can, is restored to you and you can restore it in the whole church. And the church is picking up this every time we baptize an adult or a child at the very end of the consecration of the Holy Myron, we breathe into the face of the newly baptized person and tell him, receive the Holy Spirit. It's not from me, it's from the Creator who did it in day one 
restored it in Adam, uh, restored in our Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam, and given to the disciples, and now they received it. Every time when we confess our sins, the priest also is breathing once more to restore us to day one in my life since I was baptized. As if every time I come to the Lord, I confess my sins, I'm restored to my day of baptism to enjoy that what Jesus did has done everything for me in himself. Took my humanity as it is, restored it, and elevated every one of us into heaven in his ascension. That's why the church is encouraging us, stretch out your hand. It's not a story. It's not something about a great man called Jesus. He is the creator who accepted to come down, to restore the Holy Spirit, to reconnect us once more with the source of life. Every time we come to the liturgy, we are connected once more through the Holy Spirit by uniting ourselves into the Son, Jesus Christ. That's why St. Cyril, in his commentary in John chapter 14, was telling us something more amazing. He said, the Holy Spirit is uniting us with the Son in an unspeakable way. You can't comprehend it. You can't put it under the microscope to see, to see how you are connected. And then he was saying something very great, that all what he has done, all what he became, he became victorious over temptation, victorious over this, ascending into heaven, might become ours. So are you enjoying what has become through his salvific acts to be yours? He's telling you and me, it's time to stretch out your hand to see yourself in the sun. Then he's adding in the same chapter that this was done, that you can enjoy the same love that the Father loves his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. He's commenting in John chapter 17 and verse 23. The Lord was praying his last prayer. You loved them as you loved me. How come they are not aliens anymore? Because this was Thursday evening. Thursday morning, he had the Eucharist and he united the whole church to be living members of his body. And the Father will never see us away from his Son as far as we are in communion with him. So why you did it? I have done it in myself for your sake. For your sake. That's why the church in the Passion Week, we sing it, and maybe some of us can pick it up. My good Savior. Is, it, is he our Savior? He is. But in this week, especially, the church is telling you, remember, he did everything because he is your personal savior. As well, of course, he is our cosmological savior. Every liturgy, it's a time to stretch out my hand to enjoy my sonhood to the mighty God and to enjoy the fullness of everything he has done because he has done it in himself, which means in my body, for my sake. And to enjoy the creed when we say, who for us men and for our salvation came man and did everything to hand it over to each and every one of us. May the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ and the prayers of Virgin Mary, St. Mark, and our great Saint Cyril be with us to enjoy all what he has done for my sake. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.